ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today then we're discussing the topic of Al-Hawd, the pond of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So we've mentioned a few of the different aspects of the Day of Judgment. Tonight is this aspect of the pond of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Known as Al-Hawd, Al-Hawd, that is what it is known as in Arabic. And Al-Hawd, it is Majma'ul Ma' Al-Azim, Al-Ladhi Yada'uhu Allahu Fi Arasat Al-Qiyamah. It is a great amount of water. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place on the day of judgment a great amount of water that will be there, a lake, a pond of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when we say pond, that is how they sometimes translate it. Do not be confused Do not think that we are referring to a small pond. Often in English when you say pond, it means a small little bit of water, a small pond. That is not the meaning here. This hold is a large and vast amount of water on that day. More like a lake, how we think of it, even bigger perhaps as we'll see the descriptions when they come. And, يَرِدُ عَلَيْهِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ The believers, they will come upon this pond on that day, this hold. وَهُوَ مِنْ أَوْجَهِ إِكْرَامِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And this pond is one of the means of Honoring the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of the means of honoring the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he will be given this hawd on that day. The scholars they say that the hawd is the only aspect of the day of judgment that is not explicitly mentioned in the Qur'an. It is the only aspect of the Day of Judgment that is not explicitly mentioned in the Qur'an. But of course, it is mentioned in the Sunnah. And in fact, the ahadith that talk about the hawd, They are multiple narrations. It is not just one or two, and the chains are not limited to one or two. It is close to the level of, in fact, to the level of 
being mutawatir minha aw jama'a minha ibn Hajar min riwayat akthar min khamsina sahabiyya ibn Hajar he collated the narrations of more than 50 five zero 50 companions more than 50 companions who narrated about the hold ونقل أن بعض المتأخرين أوصلها إلى ثمانين صحابيا and he mentioned that some of the later scholars they had even got it up to 80 narrations that they had found 80 different companions who had narrated about the hold this pond or lake of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and there are many narrations as we will come to see that talk about this hold in different ways some of them talk about the descriptions of this hold others talk about the size of this hold there are multiple narrations that talk about this hold in different ways, in different angles. So with regards to this hold, there are a few topics we're going to touch upon. The first of these is, where exactly does the hold come on the Day of Judgment? Is it before the bridge over the hellfire, is the hold something that occurs, that comes after the bridge? Or is it before that bridge over the hellfire, thinner than a hair, sharper than a sword? Is it before that bridge, or is it after that bridge? That is the first mini topic we're going to look at briefly. Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullahu ta'ala, he took the position that the hold is before the bridge. This hold and the believers coming to the hold occurs before the bridge that they cross over. And in fact, he said the hold even comes before the weighing scale. Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, he said it comes before the bridge, and that it comes even before Al-Mizan, before the weighing scale. And he has some narrations that would indicate that, narration in Al-Bukhari and elsewhere, that would perhaps indicate that. And they are only indications. So that is the position that he took. It is also mentioned that Ibn Kathir similarly leaned towards this position. That the Hawd comes before that bridge. 
But some of the scholars, they said, that the bridge comes before the Hawd, meaning the Hawd comes at the end, after the bridge. And that is what is apparent from the chapter headings of Imam al-Bukhari, that he apparently from what his headings indicate, took the position that the Hawd comes after the bridge. So that is something of a difference between the scholars based upon the different evidences that you may come across that seem to indicate one thing or indicate another where deductions are made. Some of the scholars said the Hawd is before the bridge. Some of them said it is after the bridge. Some of the scholars even said that there are two Hawds, one before the bridge and one after the bridge. It is mentioned by some of the scholars. And some of them, like Hafiz al-Hakami, the famous Hafiz al-Hakami, rahimahullah, he mentioned another opinion. And what other opinion could that be? Some scholars said the Hawd is after the bridge. Others they said it is before the bridge. Some even said there are two, one before the bridge, one after the bridge. Hafiz al-Hakami took a different opinion altogether. What opinion is left to take? Before the bridge, done. After the bridge, done. One before the bridge and one after the bridge too, done. What opinion is left? Meaning what? Side by side? With the bridge side by side? That's what you're saying? Already done? So side by side with the bridge, parallel with the bridge? What do people think of those opinions? From the east of the earth and from the west they have come. That the opinion may be that the hold is alongside the bridge. The hold is so big that it starts from here and goes into there. From one side to the other. So the hold is so big that it's before the bridge and carries on and finishes after the bridge. Possibly, and that is the opinion of Hafiz al-Hakami. That the hold is so large, as we're going to come and see in the narrations, inshallah. It is so large that it starts before the bridge and then it ends up after the bridge. Such is the size of the Hawd. So that is an opinion mentioned by some of the scholars. Hafiz al-Hakami is from them. So that is one topic. Clearly a difference amongst the scholars about the exact positioning of the Hawd. And maybe was it here in the class we mentioned last time, there was one of the professors, he wrote a book, maybe a thousand, two thousand, three thousand pages, a huge three-volume book, talking about which aspect of the Day of Judgment comes when. 
And there was a huge book that he wrote, three big volumes each volume, maybe 800, 900 pages per volume, three volumes, trying to work out all of the events of the Day of Judgment and when they come and when they appear. So the point being here on this one, there is a difference of opinion on that. The second topic, is the Hawd there right now? Or is the Hawd something that will be placed there on the Day of Judgment? Is it there right now? Or will it be placed there on the Day of Judgment? Anybody else? One opinion here says that it will be placed there on the Day of Judgment. It's not there right now. It will be placed there on the Day of Judgment. One opinion here says that. What does everybody else say? If you don't speak up, then as they say, Ijma' Sukuti. That it is a silent consensus otherwise. You're all in it with him. If you don't speak up, so that's it, too late, you're all in it with him. And so you're all wrong. Because the position of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that it's present right now. يعتقد أهل السنة أن الحوض موجود الآن It is already there right now Because in the narrations It mentions how that pond or that hold that lake is there right now There is a hadith for example of Uqbah ibn Amir Uqbah ibn Amir in Al-Bukhari, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, وَإِنِّي وَاللَّهِ لَأَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ حَوْضِ الْآنِ That indeed I, by Allah, am looking at my hawd right now. It is there, it is present already, the hawd of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The third topic here, what is the difference between the Hawd and the Kothar if there is a difference? So maybe phrase it, is there a difference between Al-Kothar? Is there a difference between Al-Kothar and Al-Hawd? And if there is, then what is the difference? So part one of the question, is there a difference between them? Or are they the same thing, just two names? They are different because uh, al is a... Okay, enough. So you say they're different. You believe Al-Kawthar and Al-Hawd are two different waters. Anybody else? They are the same. So Al-Hawd and Al-Kawthar, it's the same lake. One lake, same pond, same lake, one water. Anybody else? The hawd comes from the kofar. So what are you saying? They're the same or they're different or what? You're answering a question we didn't ask. It's part of it, I would say. So it's, so you're saying the hawd is a part of the kofar. Yes. But that they are two different. 
waters, two different places. Alright. This is correct. So here, Mal Farku Bain al Hawdi wal Kawfar. What is the difference between Al Hawd and Al Kawfar? Al Hawd Naam Dalatil Adillah ala an al Hawd Ghair al Kawfar. The evidences they highlight to us that Al Kawfar and Al Hawd are not just one lake with two different names. It's not the same lake that you call Al-Kawthar and you call Al-Hawd. They are two different ones in two different places. They are two different ones in two different places. Al-Hawd, Al-Kawthar. Al-Hawd, where is Al-Hawd and where is Al-Kawthar in that case? Al-Hawd is on the land of resurrection. On the day of resurrection, upon the plains of resurrection, Al-Hawd is there. Al-Kawthar is where? In paradise. So they are in two separate locations. Al-Kawthar is in paradise. إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ that indeed we have given to you Al-Kawthar. And that refers to that river in paradise. And it also refers to goodness. Al-Kawthar means goodness, khair. That we have given to the Prophet all of the goodness. And of course the actual Kawthar. So that is in paradise, whereas the Hawd, what we're talking about right now is before Paradise on the land of resurrection where everybody has been resurrected. فالحوض في موقف القيامة وأما الكوثر فإنه في الجنة بدليل قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم and the evidence regarding that there is a hadith in al-Bukhari أتيت على نهر حافتاه قباب اللؤلؤ مجوثا فقلت ما هذا يا جبريل قال هذا الكوثر In this narration it mentions how the Prophet ﷺ came across this river in paradise and he asked Jibreel what is this and Jibreel said to him this is الكوثر So that is in paradise However, Al-Kawthar, that river in paradise, from it comes the water that fills the Hawd. So the source of the Hawd is from Al-Kawthar. أَنَّ الْكَوْثَرْ أَصْلُ الْحَوْدَ وَمِنْهُ يُمَدْ uh, so the Kawthar is the source where the water comes from for the Hawd. So there are two separate lakes or river and lake, two different places. Kawthar in paradise, Al-Hawd on the day of judgment, the land of resurrection. But the water in the Hawd, it is sourced from, it comes from that source of Al-Kawthar. Then the next issue 
the fourth issue now, the fourth topic is, is it proven that every prophet on that day will have their own hold? Is there evidence to indicate that every prophet will have their own hold on that day, on the resurrection? It is mentioned, رُوِيَ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ قَالَ There is a narration where the Prophet sallallahu said, إِنَّ لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ حَوْضًا That indeed, for every prophet there is a حوض. Indeed, for every prophet there is a حوض. And then the narration, it continues and mentions other points, but that is clear in its wording there. Indeed, every prophet has a حوض. And that narration is mentioned uh, in Sunan At-Tirmidhi, authenticated by Al-Shaykh Al-Albani. And some scholars, they mention there are some weaknesses in some versions of the narration. But that appears to be correct to say that every prophet does have a hold for them on that day. Then also, the fifth topic regarding the hold, and that is what exactly are the descriptions of this hold of the Prophet ﷺ on that day. There are a few descriptions mentioned. Description one, لون مائه أشد بياضا من اللبن that the color of the water in it is whiter than milk the water in the hold of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is whiter than milk and that is mentioned in some narrations from them in sahih muslim it mentions ashaddu bayadan min alwariq that it is whiter than alwariq which often refers to silver indicating that very white appearance to that liquid. The second description regarding it, all of these mentioned in various ahadith in the sunnah, that it is abradu min thalj. It is colder than ice, cooler than ice, that liquid. Whiter than milk, and cooler, colder than ice to the touch, to the feel. Thirdly, رِيحُهُ أَطْيَبُ مِنَ الْمِسْكِ That it smell, the fragrance coming from that liquid, from that water, is more beautiful than misk. Like the atar that you wear, it's more beautiful than that misk smell, that smell, that fragrance that comes from that hold. The fourth description, طَعْمُهُ أَحْلَى مِنَ الْعَصْلِ 
that the taste of it is more delicious, tastier, sweeter than honey. It is sweeter in its taste than honey. The fifth description mentioned, Kizanuhu Abariquh Ka'adadi Nujum Sama that the cups around that hold are like the number of stars in the sky. And in one narration, greater than the number of stars in the sky. لَآنِيَتُهُ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ عَدَدِ النُّجُومِ السَّمَاءِ وَكَوَاكِبِهَا That the cups around it are greater in number than the stars and the planets and everything. All these that you see in the sky and how many of them there are, the number of cups around the hold are greater than that. The sixth description, the one who drinks from the hold will never be thirsty thereafter. The one who drinks from the hold will not be thirsty thereafter. And that's also mentioned in a narration. And in one version it mentions, لَمْ يَسْوَدَّ وَجْهُهُ أَبَدًا The one who drinks from that hold, then his face will never be darkened. His face will never be darkened. The one who drinks from that hold, meaning he will be enlightened and remain upon enlightenment. The seventh, Description is what we mentioned that the source of it, it comes from the trunks or, or the source of it from the uh, Al-Kawthar in paradise. Then the sixth issue, the sixth topic. What were the topics so far? The first topic was... Topic one was regarding what? Where does it occur? Where is it? Before the bridge or after the bridge? The second topic was, is it present right now? Belief of Ahl Sunnah that yes, it is present right now. The third topic was, the difference between the Hawd and the Kawthar. The fourth topic was, did all of the prophets have a Hawd? And the fifth, was the descriptions of it, and now we're on to the sixth topic regarding the hold, and that is, how big is it? What is the size of the hold of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Here now you have to pay attention because there are multiple narrations talking about the size of the hold of the Prophet ﷺ. And briefly what you can say is that all of these narrations, there are multiple narrations talking about the size of this lake, of this hold. All of those narrations, when you look at them, you can categorize them into three categories. 
all of these multiple narrations that talk about the size of the hold of the Prophet ﷺ, you can categorize them into three categories, basically meaning three general sizes. Some narrations, they all talk about a given size. Another selection of narrations all talk about another given size, which we'll mention now. And a third category of narrations all talk about another given size. So all of the narrations basically mention three possible sizes for the hold. The first narration or the first category of narrations, the first category, the first group of narrations, they all talk about the hold being the distance of a month's travel. One month of traveling, how far you would get after a month, that's how big the hold is. That is what one group of narrations all revolve around. One group of narrations all indicate that the hold is as big as what it would take you for traveling a month. How far you would get in a month's traveling, that's how far the hold is. So narrations to that effect, like one time the Prophet ﷺ said to them, In the that indeed my hold abad is further min aylah min adn. Aylah and Aden are two cities. And the traveling distance between them is approximately a month's travel. And in this narration the Prophet ﷺ says, My hold is greater than those two places. Indicating that the fact here is that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned those two cities, and those two cities have an approximate distance of traveling in one month. So even when the Prophet says it's bigger than that, it must be something close to a month. A bit bigger, but close to a month or thereabouts. There's another example, Hawdi in another hadith, حَوْضِ كَمَا بَيْنَ أَيْلَهِ إِلَى صَنْعَا أَيْلَهِ to Sana'a is approximately one month of travel. So, and there are others as well, but that's just a few examples in that group of narrations. The point being, in this group of narrations, whatever examples the Prophet ﷺ gave, they were examples where the traveling distance was approximately... One month. The second group of narrations though, all indicate a traveling distance of only half a month. The second group of narrations all indicate traveling distances of two weeks. Half a month. You have the example in one narration... Uh, Ibn Hibban mentions it, 
Mabayna Eilah ila Makkah. And Eilah to Makkah is only approximately two weeks of traveling distance. There's an example of Sana'a and Al-Madinah. Sana'a to Al-Madinah in those days approximately two weeks of traveling distance. And there's others, uh, Oman and Al-Balqa and uh, Bayt Al-Maqdis to the Kaaba. All of these examples of locations are examples where the traveling distance between those locations is only approximately two weeks worth. So now the first group of a hadith all seem to indicate it's a month's traveling. That's how big the hold is. The second group of narrations indicate it's only two weeks worth of traveling. So in those narrations, the hold is being described as a little bit less as it would appear upon the narrations. The third set of narrations, there are a, uh, there is a third set of narrations which indicate that actually the traveling distance of the size of the hold is the traveling distance how far you would get in just three days. And there is only one narration that mentions that. But there is one narration that mentions that. That the hold is as big as where you could get to in traveling of three days. So now you have multiple narrations. Some of them indicating the hold is as big as a month of traveling. Some of them indicating the hold is as big as only two weeks of traveling. Some of them indicating the hold is only as big as three days worth of traveling. So then what is the answer? How big is the hold? We have obviously a big difference here in the distances being mentioned. A month of traveling is double the narrations that talk about only two weeks of traveling. That is significantly bigger than the narration that talks about just three days worth of traveling. That distance is far less than the distance of a month's traveling, obviously. So we have a clear difference in these narrations. What therefore is the understanding? How big is the hold of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Uh-huh. So we'll come to it here now. Ittafaq al-jami'ah All of the scholars are agreed. They're all agreed. Ala anna hadha al-ikhtilaf laysa min qabili l-attaraf al-hadith. This is the first thing to take note of before any of anything else. The scholars are agreed that this is not a case of confusion in the narrations or narrations not matching up, problems within the narration. This isn't a case of confusion in the narrations. It's not something where the narrations are striking against each other and they are not meeting up with each other. There is a way for them to meet up. It's not a case of contradiction. That is the first thing the scholars are agreed upon. لِأَنَّ ذَلِكَ لَمْ يَقَعْ فِي حَدِيثٍ وَاحِدٍ فَيُعَدُّ الضَّرَابًا مِنَ الرُّوَاتِ وَإِنَّمَا جَاءَ فِي أَحَدِيثٍ مُخْتَلِفَةٍ 
عن غير واحد من الصحابة سمعوه في مواطن مختلفة These narrations were narrated by multiple companions in multiple different sittings with the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet obviously mentioned all of those narrations, a month's traveling, two weeks traveling, three days traveling. They were narrated in different sittings, in different gatherings, different multiple companions, So the question really is now, how do we understand them all to come to a conclusion then? A month to two weeks to three days only, how do we understand all of that? The first opinion in explaining how we understand this. إِنَّمَا أَرَادَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ تَقْرِيبُ الْعِلْمِ بِسَعَةِ الْحَوْضِ دون إرادة المسافة المحققة. Some of the scholars say the first opinion that it's not about the exact distances, because obviously traveling for a month is double the distance roughly of traveling only two weeks. That would be a big contradiction or a difference. Scholars they say no, it's not about that. It's not about the actual distances. It's not about how far you can actually travel in a month and how far you can actually travel in two weeks. It's not about those specific distances. Then what is it about? It's about giving the general concept and idea that the hold is obviously something big. Because if you're traveling for two weeks to get to the end of it, that's still big enough. Whether you're traveling for two weeks or four weeks, you have traveled over a huge lake. And so some scholars say it's not really about two weeks or four weeks or three weeks or three and a half weeks. It's not about that. The point is that it's signifying something big. Two weeks of travel in of itself is big. Four weeks obviously is big. It's showing you from these examples that the hold is something large and significant. Not that it's making the exact point of four weeks worth and two weeks worth. That isn't the point. That is the opinion of the first group of scholars. Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar He says though this opinion doesn't seem to hold up. Why not? Because of the obvious. He says if it was really just about the significant size of the pond, and it wasn't really about the actual distance, nevertheless, even then, you would still give examples that roughly match up. You wouldn't give an example of four weeks and then an example only 50% of that to two weeks. If you want to show that it's just big, you would still give examples that are relatively close. Not an example that is double the other. So Al-Hafid ibn Hajar says there must be something more to it than that. There must be something more to it than just saying, It was about showing the, the large, significant size of the pond. There must be something more to these narrations. 
Because if it was just about showing the large, vast amount of the pond, even then the Prophet ﷺ would have given examples surely that were relatively similar, not giving examples that are double and half of each other. So that is an opinion, but some of the scholars have mentioned that observation on that opinion. The second opinion, and obviously, obviously, the gap between three days and thirty days is a huge gap. How can that be just indicating the largeness of the pond? Why would you give examples so far separated from each other? So some of the scholars don't accept that first opinion that it's just about the size. They say these narrations must have something more to them. Four weeks, two weeks, etc. Three days even. The second opinion أن هذا الاختلاف إنما حصل لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان مخاطبا لكل طائفة بما كانت تعرف من مسافات مواضعها فيقول لأهل الشام ما بين أضرح وجرباء ولأهل اليمن من صنعاء إلى عدن وهكذا وتارة أخرى يقدر بالزمان فيقول مسيرة شهر والمعنى المقصود أنه حوض كبير متسع الجوانب والزوايا فكان ذلك بحسب من من حضره ممن يعرف تلك الجهات فخاطب كل قوم بالجهة التي يعرفونها The second opinion is very similar to the first opinion They say the reason why you've got these different examples, and some of them are four weeks of travel, some are two weeks of travel, it's just because the Prophet ﷺ, every time he was with a group of people, would try to give them an example of cities that they knew. So to the people of Yemen, he would talk about Aden and Sana'a, etc., Because those are the cities they know, so they'd be able to work out. It's like here now, if I want to give an example in the in the United Kingdom, then we give an example of Bradford to London, or Bradford to Birmingham, Bradford to Nelson, Bradford to Leeds. Everybody understands those general distances. But if I want to give you an example, and I give you an example of two countries in Brazil, then you're going to say, where are they in the first place? Are they next to each other? Are they 10 minutes away? Are they 10 hours away? So here they say, these different places, they were just for the sake of making it easy for the people to understand. Because the Prophet ﷺ narrated this to different people at different times. So when he was talking to the people of Sham, he gave them examples from Sham. When he was talking to the people of Yemen, he gave them examples from Yemen. And those examples may have been different may have been different. Imagine now in the UK, I know my distances properly, uh, what they are going to be. I may think of some examples. But if somebody wants an example for Brazil, now I may give an example from Brazil, but it won't match up with the exact example I gave for the UK. An example somebody wants for Italy, I may think of two cities there, but they are not exactly the same as the ones I thought up here. So there may be differences in the cities and the distances, but it was just to make it easy for the people, specifically who the Prophet ﷺ was addressing at the time. 
That opinion has its problem too, and the problem it has is the exact same problem as opinion one. That okay, but even then, surely the Prophet ﷺ would have given them examples that were roughly the same. You wouldn't have given an example where it's double the distance of another example. Even then, if you're thinking of cities in their area, you'd still try and give them examples of cities that were roughly the same distance as the example you've given to the people of Yemen or to the people of this place. So they say again, that doesn't quite seem to match up because the distances are so different. That is an opinion though. The third opinion, they say, أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ فِي الْمَسَافَةِ الْقَصِيرَةِ مَا يَمْنِعْ مِنْ ثُبُوتِ الْمَسَافَةِ الْكَبِيرَةِ فَكَأَنَّ اللَّهَ تَفَضَّلَ عَلَى نَبِيِّهِ وَزَادَ فِي سَعَةِ الْحَوْضِ حَتَّى بَلَغَ الْمَسَافَةَ الْكَبِيرَةِ فَلَعْتِمَادْ عَلَى أَطْوَلِهَا مَسَافَةً The third opinion is that all of those distances are correct. That initially, the hold of the Prophet ﷺ was only a distance of three days of traveling. But then later on, Allah blessed the Prophet ﷺ and expanded the hold till it became two weeks of traveling. Later on, Allah blessed the messenger in later life of the messenger. Allah blessed him further and expanded the hold up until it became a month of traveling distance. So it's a bit like abrogation. That initially it was smaller. Then Allah blessed the Prophet and made it bigger. And then made it bigger until it became the distance of a month of traveling. And that is therefore the final position that it's a month of traveling, according to opinion number three, which is the opinion of Al-Imam al-Nawawi and others. So that is the third opinion, that originally it was only three days worth of traveling, then Allah blessed the Prophet and made it up to two weeks worth of traveling, then Allah blessed the Messenger further, and made it up to a month's worth of traveling. Expanded the hold. The fourth opinion is that there is nothing to have to work out. The fourth opinion, they say, there is nothing to have to work out. They say these different distances are simply lengths and widths. That in the length, it goes up to a month worth of traveling. On one of the widths, it goes up to Two weeks worth of traveling, there may be one angle where it's only three days worth of traveling, it's the sides. Sides, on one side of it, it is a month to get to the other edge. From that edge down to the other, only two weeks worth maybe, from that edge, to, like that. That it's the sides that have different lengths. It's not a square, it's not a circle, it's a different shape. So the sides have different lengths. Some of the sides, one to the other, a month of traveling. Others, only two weeks of traveling, like that. That is an opinion of some of the scholars. Uh, and that is mentioned by some of them as the opinion to explain what these narrations mean. The fifth opinion. 
Is that again? All of those are applicable, but applicable in a different way. In what way? Anybody? Edge to edge. One point where you begin to the other point where it stops. The mode of traveling, what do you mean? Walking, riding. Walking, riding, driving. <laughs> Not in those days. So, that is an opinion. That is opinion number five. That these distances obviously depend on the mode of travel. It may take a person a month to walk a particular distance. But that same distance can be covered in three days if you've got a horse. And it may be covered in two weeks if you're on a camel. That same distance walking may take a month. On a camel it may take two weeks. On a horse it may just take three days. So all of those distances are actually the same distance. It's just talking about how you cover that distance. So the scholars say maybe that's what it means. That these different examples were just talking about the different modes of travel. In walking, then the pond of the Prophet is a month worth worth of walking. Until you get to the end. On a camel for example, two weeks worth until you get to the end. On a horse for example, only three days worth. Depending on how you travel, those distances would be different. Or or the times to cover those distances would be different. And so that is the fifth opinion that is mentioned. بِاخْتِلَافِ السَّيْرِ الْبَطِيءِ وَهُوَ سَيْرُ الْأَثْقَالِ وَالسَّيْرَ السَّرِيعِ وَهُوَ سَيْرُ الرَّاكِبَ الْمُخِفِ وَيُحْمِلْ رِوَايَةْ أَقَلِّهَا وَهُوَ الثَّلَاثِ عَلَى سَيْرِ الْبَرِيدِ فَنَعْمْ So it's about the different types of traveling, how quick you are, how slow you are on a horse, traveling lightly, or in a caravan with heavy goods on your on the back of the camel, etc. It would all depend upon the uh, traveling mode. And so if that's the case, it's easy to understand how all of those narrations are applicable depending on the traveling mode. What we can conclude is similar to what they said in opinion 1 and 2. From all of these opinions, what we can conclude for definite is that the pond of the Prophet ﷺ is something significant and large. That is a definite conclusion. It is something significant and large the pond of the Prophet ﷺ. And there are some narrations and opinions that do say it is square. Just as an additional point, there are some opinions and some narrations that mention it is square. According to opinion 4 though, like we said, it wouldn't be, because they were talking about the distances on the different angles, etc. But that is all mentioned about the size of the pond of the Prophet ﷺ. The seventh topic, the final topic to round off on, who will not be allowed to drink from the hold, from the pond of the Prophet ﷺ? Firstly, the apostates, there are three categories. Firstly, the apostates, 
And there is the evidence which is mentioned in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, where the Prophet Wasallam will say, Ya Rabbi Ashabi, when he will say, My Lord, my companions, who were being rejected to drink. But then it will be said to the Prophet بعدك, You do not know what they did after you. They did not cease to be apostates since you left them. So the apostates will be rejected from that pond. Secondly, the innovators, the innovators will be rejected from the pond. And that is the same narration proving it. You do not know what they innovated, what they did after you. So innovators will be rejected from that pond on that day. The Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدٌ Whomsoever innovates into our affair, that which is not from it, into our religion, then it will be rejected from him. All innovations. Nowadays you see this innovation celebrating the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ. That is something that the Prophet ﷺ never did in his life. You will never find a hadith ever that the Prophet ﷺ, authentic hadith, that the Prophet celebrated his birthday and they went into the street and the companions got together. Never. You will never find an authentic narration that any of the companions celebrated it after the Prophet died. Where in Bukhari and Muslim, where? That Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum used to get together and celebrate the birthday of the Prophet and make food. Where? Never. You will not find from the Salaf, from those who came in the generations afterwards, from the second generation, the third generation, none of them. In fact, it is proven in history, the first time this birthday was celebrated was approximately 360 years after the Hijrah, after the Prophet ﷺ in the 4th century. Before that, it is not witnessed that any of them celebrated the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ. A person may say, but I just want to show my love. For Allah and the Messenger, then Allah has told you in the Quran how to do that. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي Say that indeed if you love Allah, then follow me. Follow the Quran and the Sunnah. Don't make up new things yourself. Just like the Salaf, they said, اِتَّبِعُوا وَلَا تَبْتَدِعُوا فَقَدْ كُفِيتُمْ Follow. Follow the Quran and the Sunnah. Do not innovate. For indeed you have been given enough, you've been given sufficiency, you've been given all the religion that you need, as Allah said, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم On this day I have completed for you my religion. Nobody here can invent anything new. You can't say I'm only showing my love for the Prophet. What do you mean? Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum, they didn't show their love for the Prophet then? You're showing your love for the Prophet celebrating the birthday. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu anhu, are you accusing him of not showing love for the Prophet then? Because he never celebrated the birthday. Are you accusing all of the other companions of not showing love for the Prophet? They never celebrated the birthday. 
Who do you think you are that you're going to show love for the Prophet now? And the companions didn't show love for the Prophet in this way. It is an innovation. It is not in the Quran, in the Sunnah. It is not a day of celebration. And in fact, it is not even proven the exact date that the Prophet ﷺ was born. We know he was born on a Monday. But which date? We do not know. There are at least six opinions. Some scholars even have the opinion he was born in Ramadan. Some scholars have that opinion. And there are other opinions, Rabi'ul Awwal, Rabi'ul Thani, Safar, different opinions of which month. So it's not even proven. And that is a good point. Because if it's not even proven, that means the companions didn't really give that much attention to when the birthday is. If this was a great celebration in Islam, to celebrate the birthday, then don't you think there would be so many hadith about this? That the companions used to do it, and they used to do it on this day, on that day. Nothing. So be aware, the second category of people who will not be allowed to drink, are the innovators. And the third category, the last category, مَنْ فَعُشَ Those who were wrongdoers, oppressive, evil people, doing lots of sin and wrong, people who are excessive, in their wronging and in their sinning, then they are categorized or they are mentioned as one of those categories who will not be allowed to drink from that pond. Those who were great in their sinning and in their wronging, in their evil, then they will be shunned from that pond also. That brings us in brief to a conclusion on the category of the pond of the Prophet wasallam. And the prayer, I think, is now. So we'll have to round off on that for tonight then. Uh, any quick questions, or we can round off on that. Khalas, we'll round off on that for tonight then. And the prayer is here, inshallah ta'ala, in two weeks' time. The next class, which will be about the bridge over the hellfire. Just like we did today, the next topic about the bridge over the hellfire, we'll talk about all of the different topics about that, insha'Allah, in two weeks' time.